much momentum i would be in so much flow but then after like two three weeks of everything going perfectly i would just shut down and i would relapse and i would go back onto that roller coaster of productive uh procrastination at the bottom there right and so how i stopped that is i realized that sleep is your willpower this is how i think of things because Welcome to The Bonfire, the tribe's community-driven podcast about active self-improvement where we share personal experiences, life stories, and genuine advice. Our podcasts are recorded live on the tribe's Discord where you can find group projects to work on your skills, accountability partners, and a community to inspire you to reach your goals. I'm your host today, Ronan, and we have Rysak here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, man, I'm glad to be here. So, how are you doing today? Yeah, man, uh, it's been it's been a pretty wild one. I'm not going to lie. I've uh, been doing some freelance stuff this morning, just trying to yeah. figure out how everything works with it. Been getting some good results. Uh, had a little bit of caffeine this morning, so I still got, you know, those jitters going through my system. But we're going to make it work. Happy to meet everybody. Happy to be introduced to the tribe. Happy to be here. Yeah, so tell me a bit about yourself. Yeah, so... To anyone who doesn't know, I have, I've kind of been, you know, in the shadows right now, you know, I've been working behind the scenes with AZ and uh, some of the other administration around here. We've been coming up with some cool new projects and ideas for you guys. And just so you guys know a little bit more about me and how I fit into all of this, I joined the tribe about, man, it's probably been about a, a month and a half ago, I want to say. Uh, when I really started dialing this stuff in, uh, my game is productivity. We got a lot of uh, stuff available for you guys, but the name of the game for me is productivity. I help people get to peak performance. I help them dial in their time, their work. I help them balance work with their life and just make sure that you guys are performing at the level that you want to be uh, without sacrificing, you know, all of the fun stuff and the essentials as well. Um, and so you're going to be getting a lot of stuff like that from me. Uh, but today, just going to be introducing myself, giving you guys a little bit more uh, to know about me. So, so yeah, what what are you doing in the tribe for group leading? Yeah, so uh, my group, the Zenith Enclave, it's going to be all about uh, peak performance and productivity. Uh, the thing is, it's it's hustle culture is a very dangerous area for you guys, because I know there's a lot of you out there. You have a passion, you have a vision, you have this thing that you're building towards. You have talents, you have skills. But the problem is uh, when you don't plug into things the right way, like I I was talking to this one guy the other day, 16 years old, running a social media marketing agency, and he's he's doing a, a lot of money. But he's he's honestly saying now that like he wish that he had set things up differently because he's not able to have any fun he's not able to really enjoy himself even though he's got the money coming in and i don't want any of you guys to get to that position so what i teach is i teach productivity and peak performance but i teach you how to get more out of the same time so it's not like you're dialing your work up to 100 hours and then suddenly you're burnt out and you know just kind of falling asleep at your desk but this is going to be something fun it's going to be something you guys can attack every single day with passion and i really want to help you guys build that for yourself so that's what this group's really about and when are you scheduled to start? Yeah, um, we've, we've talked about some things back and forth. Uh, AZ has not given me the exact date just yet that we're planning to do this. But what I can say is that I've got everything planned out. We've structured everything. I've recorded a lot of the content, built out the infrastructures. And 
all I've really got to do is clean up a little bit of stuff, make sure it's polished and just make sure I can provide the best experience for you guys possible. And that that part of it should be done probably before uh, the next week starts. And I'm really excited to start yeah. getting pen to paper on that and uh, and meeting a bunch of you guys. So what inspires you to sort of join the tribe? Like, what do you see in it? Yeah, so... I, I don't know how many of you guys have really been here through the entire process of things, but uh, when the whole tribes thing kind of started uh, a while back, uh, you know, things kind of fell out with that. We all kind of got moved out of Hamza's server and started rebuilding. Uh, I was the leader of the Rams tribe for a while back, um, had about 200 members that would be cycled out uh, weekly. And so... I, I was thinking, like, what can I really teach my boys? What can I do to weave into their skills? And I can help everybody, even if I don't necessarily know how to do, like, content marketing or animations and stuff. And so that's when I really realized that productivity is the way that I can help everybody, no matter where you're at, no matter where you want to go. And uh, I've, I've just had that great opportunity. I've taught over... Uh, the sum of 200 people, these kind of techniques and strategies. I've seen my boys do some amazing things already. I've got one who's seen good results in his business. I've got another guy who uh, just started a business, another guy who's doing really well, who ha- he's a, got fi- high-functioning ASD. I've got another dude who's got kind of a speech impediment, but he's been doing really well. He's been working through his stuff, and we have been seeing really good results together. So what then inspired me is I'm like, man, I shouldn't really limit this to just my boys. I want to get in contact with other people. I want to see if we can make this a really big thing. I want to see if we can take this uh, to the next level. And the tribe really seems like the vehicle for me to be able to deliver that kind of stuff to you guys. And I'm really stoked about it. How did you and AZ meet? Yeah, so... Um, the intermediary, uh, like, again, I'm not sure how much of a big picture of the history you guys have, but the, there was this one guy, super ambitious guy that I met, and uh, he, he went by Atlas, like that was his actual uh, birth name, but he kind of connected me and AZ. We made this group chat. All of the servers have been down, but we wanted to really create something together, and so we all hopped in with each other, and we were like, hey, how can we, you know, recreate things and really create an environment that's benefiting everybody? And that was when I met AZ, you know, kind of kind of the stoic man. He's got a lot of cool stuff to say. Uh, I realized instantly that we kind of clicked well together. He's got a lot of cool stuff that I can learn from him and vice versa. And so uh, things just kind of took off from there. We've been in a bunch of calls. We've been discussing how we can make the tribe better for everybody, what we can do, what we can dial in and what we can uh, really make happen. And so, yeah, AZ, super humble guy. Really love to meet him. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a smooth couple of weeks. He's a good leader. And what do you specialize in? What's your field of expertise? So, um, coaching is obviously a big thing for me, but, uh, my main area of expertise as far as like income and what I'm really doing in my personal life, that is uh, copywriting, which is basically marketing. Okay, I say copywriting to a lot of people and they think I make those little labels on the bottom of paper like copyright 2023. Uh, That's not what it is. Copywriting is basically writing the persuasive messages that you see in ads, that you see on websites, that you even see in like newspaper articles, right? It's a very diverse career. And I've really been uh, seeing compound growth with that recently. And a lot of the people I've uh, taught and I've helped market their services 
I've learned a lot from some of the top dogs in a lot of different niches and the one I'm most experienced in is productivity. And so that's kind of what I've expanded my teaching into and, uh, and things like that. So, yeah. So what's your advice for those starting out copywriting? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, I'm sure a lot of you guys know, uh, Andrew Tate, he's got his whole like hustlers university thing on it. It's called the real world now. Um, through a friend, I kind of got referred into it. I learned from some of the people that have in there. Andrew Bass, he's a really good copywriter. And now they've also got some other guys in there. If you guys are looking for a really uh, inexpensive way to develop your copywriting skills, and like, let's, let's just say hypothetically, you're, you're just kind of interested, right? You're not really sure if copywriting is the thing that you want to do, but you really want to dive in, see kind of what it is, see if it's something that clicks for you. I would recommend, uh, I would recommend talking to, um, uh, Shreyas. I think he might've changed his, uh, his username to uh weekend on, on the tribe, but you can reach out to him. Dude's an expert. We've already bounced ideas off of each other's heads on some of the stuff for the tribe. And he really knows his stuff. Um, some other guys you can look at are Jason Capital on YouTube. He's went to a lot of live workshops where he's just spilled so much amazing stuff. I paid this guy a ton of money to uh, learn top tier copywriting. And the best part is he has most of it on uh, for free on YouTube if you know where to look. And uh, yeah, he's great as well. And if you want to invest in it a little bit, um, obviously, uh, Shreyas has his uh, like copywriting marketing group inside of the tribe. He's definitely the best he knows the name of the game um but there then there's also places like uh the real world where you can really develop your skills and and get a mentor okay J get somebody who's in this game with you get a copywriter friend that's another huge thing because uh copywriting it's it doesn't have an exact science those of you who really want to dial in your copywriting skills you're going to realize very quickly there's no one right way to do it so what i would say is i would say focus on uh, what you're really good at. Maybe you're creative in this realm. Maybe you write copy a particular way. And I would go out and I would see where that uh, really uh, gets its ground. And you can learn from people who write copy like you and you can have your friends review your work to make sure that it's actually good. And I do that and I've been doing this for uh, almost two years now and I still have my friends review my stuff because that is essential. Um, but yeah, that alone will take you farther than like 90% of people who are getting into this game, truthfully. Yeah, a lot of people don't end up sticking with it. I do agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely true. How long have you been doing copywriting for? But I've only been doing this for a little bit over a year, and I've seen amazing results. It's really... Um, for people who are trying to learn this stuff fast, and me personally, the one thing that gave me that advantage was something called Kaizen. And Kaizen is the idea of making like a 1% improvement every day. And so for copywriting, what I did to get really good in that short amount of time was to read one copy promotion a day or write one page of copy a day and just kind of train that copywriting muscle. And even though I've only been working for one year, I'm as good as a lot of people who have been in this industry for three years plus. And I've applied for jobs at really big companies and one job I was competing against the uh, head sales copywriter for Dr. Squatch. I don't know if you guys have heard of that brand. They make those really cool soaps. They have those super hilarious ads on YouTube. I won in competition with the lady who wrote a lot of those promotions. 
And that just says something about if you really put work into the skill, you can take it as far as you want to go, even if you've only been doing it for like a year, like me. So. Yeah, tell me more about that. How did you end up doing that? Yeah, man. Um, so her name is uh, is Jacqueline. Uh, she doesn't work there anymore, but basically the position we were fighting for is this company called Avent. And basically they, they do marketing for streetwear brands. So they have like a lot of these cool clothes that people like to wear. But it's also a marketplace where streetwear brand owners can go and sell their stuff. So if any of you guys are listening to this right now and you want to start your own brand, that's actually a great uh, place to start. Uh, but that little side note out of the way, um, I did get to meet her. She was really cool and she wrote a really good copy. But the main thing is when you learn copywriting, it actually it's like one of those things uh, when the tide rises, all the boats are lifted. You get better at copywriting. You get better at sales because you learn persuasion. You get better at basic conversations like we're having right now because you learn like better communication skills, how to really get people to pay attention to what you're saying, uh, get people to resonate with what you're saying, build trust, all of these things that are super important in interviews. So even though I had uh, two years, actually, I think it was like three years less experience than this woman who was like a top dog, I still ended up getting that position just because... The communication skills were there. The copywriting was there. And that's a story I tell all the time because it's just, uh, it's just incredible, right? Love to hear it, yeah. So you've been doing this for a long time and I, I can kind of see like the experience you've gained from just sticking with it and actually implementing the advice that's been told. Is Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, all of you guys listening to this, something I've said like my whole life if you can't look back at yourself uh, from a year ago and just absolutely cringe at the person you were, uh, you are not developing fast enough, right? Uh, every time I look at myself, like even just a year ago, I'm like, man, I was a baby. I didn't know anything like I was now. I've, I've just become a completely different person. Um, and it was intense and it took a lot of work. It took a lot of stress. It took a lot of hustle. But that's the name of the game, guys, is consistency and building momentum. Okay, don't think of productivity and building your skills as like, I put in an hour, I get like $15, right? That's like linear growth. But productivity and building your skills is exponential. You're not going to see great results every day, but then suddenly out of nowhere, it's just going to explode and you're going to see a ton of growth in your personal life, in your professional life, and things are going to fall into place. Trust me. So how did you achieve your first client? Yeah, so um, I I remember this story from a while back. Um, technically, the first client I helped to get uh, was a guy named Jasper. Um, he he was uh, I don't know if you guys have um have heard of it. There's like this uh, Eastern practice called like Tantra, and it's like all about like masculine and feminine polarity. Uh, a lot of you guys who have read Way of the Superior Man, I know that's a really big popular uh, popular book that a lot of you guys have read. Uh, it does talk a little bit about that in that book. But what he would do is he would teach men this to really build natural attraction between men and women. And so I found him on Facebook. We got in a call, talked to him about the program that I was doing in agency. It was like a 2K monthly retainer type deal. And then our CEO hopped into a call with him and closed him. So that was one that I helped with. Uh, but the way I got to him was just... I was sending out like 50 DMs on Facebook a day and 20 on LinkedIn. 
And I did that for probably three days to a week before I got uh, heard back from him. Um, but then a few months later, I was getting like maybe one appointment set per day, which was pretty good. And from that, then we moved to Upwork. And if you guys don't know what Upwork is, it is like the home of freelancers. There's like thousands of freelancers on Upwork. There's thousands of people that hire freelancers on uh, freelancers on Upwork. If you want to start your own business, if you want to start your own craft, you can go there. You can go Fiverr, both terrific options. But uh, what's really interesting, guys, is another business model you may not have heard of. One client I talked to, his name was uh, Marcus Graham, super humble guy, super down to earth. I really just enjoyed talking to him, but he sold a course that basically taught you how to install vending machines and how you can make passive income from vending machines. And I was just like, man, who, who thinks of stuff like this? You know what I mean? Like whenever I think of making passive income, I think of like stocks and bonds. This dude had like 30, 40, 50 different vending machine locations and was bagging. Uh, he was making like 300K a year, something crazy like that from vending machines. And uh, yeah, and so I reached out to him and I ended up closing him uh, for 9K uh, through, through, through the team. But that that was like the first one that like I created like that, you know, creating wealth out of thin air. Uh, that's something that you guys can do when you get to that level. And honestly, it's not even that big of a leap. I would say you guys can do that where you're at already. If you've got the skills, if you've got the ability to de deliver a service that people just can't match, then you can close people for really high ticket items like that. And you know what? It was one of the best customer relationships we had. Like I said, dude was super humble. He didn't know anything about marketing. So he let us take the lead. And uh, he went from making a 2X ROAS to like six or 8X, something like that. So he was super satisfied. It ended up being a great, a great time. So for sure. And compared to the latest client you got, how different would you say is the method and procedure wow. of doing it yeah so the the new way is like just me like i was the only guy uh everything back then um i still got to leverage some credibility because i was in agency so i was using the credibility of my ceo he had been working for like three years but recently I had to do this on my own, which was a big shift. It's a lot harder when you go from like three years of credibility, made a hundred different pieces of copy for these clients, five star reviews all across your profile to literally zero, like nothing. I had no reviews. I had no like five stars. I had no uh, prior experience. All they see on my profile is like my little sales pitch and then that I charge like $80 an hour, something like that. So it's very hard to get clients starting from ground zero, but I actually had a guy reach out to me the other day and uh, he, he has this business called, um, I think it's called Coach With Us. And they basically, their guarantee is like, we'll help you scale your coaching business to 50K a month and reached out to the guy. We had an amazing conversation. And this goes back to what I was saying about copywriting and speech. Uh, just by having an amazing, authentic conversation with this guy, I didn't even close him. We didn't even do like all the sales psychology or anything like that. But just by having a conversation, like talking to a CEO, like he's just another human being, 
he he told me he promised his business partners he was going to do 10 other interviews but he said he's already keen to move forward so that's actually what i was working on uh this morning i was doing some freelance work for him i was helping him build out his uh his service that he can uh deliver better for his clients that he's got coming through and that was all something i did i'm pretty proud of that that's pretty recent and it, it just goes to show guys you can really dial this stuff in you just got to stay at it it is a consistency game not a luck game so definitely okay let's talk about productivity what yeah. would you say is your advice for these who aren't productive and are trying to become productive yeah man so i feel like a lot of people i talk to on this subject they kind of dance around like the core issue because the biggest thing that people I've worked with struggle with is just procrastination. Okay, procrastination, it affects everybody. Okay, it, it affects me even. You know, I have the desire to procrastinate. It doesn't mean I act on it. I've gotten past this kind of stuff now. But if you guys procrastinate all the time and that's something you feel guilty about, I just want to say it is like completely normal. That is the biggest problem I see in my clients every single day. I've even uh, spoken to some CEOs and business owners about that. And they work 16 hours a day and they still procrastinate. This is a big problem that affects everybody. And so I would say chances are a lot of you guys who are watching this also have experienced a bit of that at times. And my biggest advice to you would be that we procrastinate because we're not in something that I call the uh, challenge skills balance. Okay. And what that means is if you go to work and you start to do something that you're really good at and the work is just super easy, you're going to be so bored you don't even want to get started. And on the other side of that, if you are super uh, like kind of uncertain about something. You've got the skills, but they're not super dialed in and the project is really hard. You're going to be too anxious to get started. And so the challenge skills balance is getting in that sweet spot, right? The deadline isn't too close, but your skills are good enough. And when we get into that sweet spot, we get into something called flow, which is the peak performance state of consciousness where we feel and perform our best. So if you want to stop procrastinating, the best advice I can give you is one, you can mitigate that boredom by pushing up a deadline. You can uh, apply some pressure, get some novelty, do your work in a different environment, make it enjoyable. And if you're too anxious to get started, push the deadline back a little bit. Uh, break down the work that you're about to do in very easy, actionable steps. And that's going to allow you to take a step back and you're going to be able to look at that work and be like, okay, it doesn't look as hard anymore because I've just got to do this and then I can simply do that and then things are going to come together very easily. And so procrastination, it's like a mental problem. But once you start getting down to it, um, it's not that hard. And you're going to realize that and as you apply that, you should see it start to dissolve as a natural consequence of that. And I think that is probably the biggest and also one of the easiest problems to solve that I see all the time. How do you get in flow state? Yeah, so flow, flow is probably one of the biggest things that I teach because um, we, we have like an upper cap on time. You know, if you are trying to get a lot done, people like Hamza, people like Cole Hastings and like a lot of popular self-improvement YouTubers, they'll tell you that you need to put in more time. You need to put in more work, right? You need to go from working 30 hours a week to working 60 or 100 hours. 
And so what I would tell you is that you need to get into flow states more often. And when you get into flow states more often, your time itself becomes so much more valuable. And so kind of what Ronan's just asked me right here is like, how do I get into those peak performance states of consciousness? Because that is the core of my teaching. It's, it's really easy for me to just tell you to go out and get into a flow state when nobody has like any idea how to do that. So when I, when I show you kind of how I do this, it revolves around a few different things. The first thing is uh, it can be something that you just carry around with you. And how you would do that is there are three flow triggers that kind of go into one. It is called curiosity, passion, and purpose. And these three kind of emotions and things, when you put them together, you get access to flow kind of no matter what's going on around you. It's something that becomes a part of who you are. And that is why purpose and active self-improvement is such a big part of what we do here. Because when you have purpose as like this North Star, whenever you're doing something and what you're doing is now not just, hey, I'm getting this work done. It's I'm moving towards my high hard goal that my life's purpose is to achieve. Suddenly your work lights a fire in you and you are compelled to move forward. The self dissolves and you just become absorbed into the task at hand and you're able to compound endlessly and, and just get sucked into the work and work really hard at it. So the first thing I would say is develop that passion for your work, work using your passions. Okay, we've all heard our parents say that do what you love, doing what you love is better than getting paid a whole lot for something that you hate. And I would agree, but the perspective that I take on it is do something that uses your passions. Because if you do something that uses your passions, you have access to flow through that flow trigger. Uh, same thing with your purpose. And then the second thing is while purpose is something uh, like, you know, flow is something you can carry around with you. The next thing that I would do is I would make sure that things are working externally. If you want to get into a flow state, you can't have any distractions, period. I'll say that again. You can't have any distractions at all. That is the name of the game. If you are trying to get into a flow state, first of all, it takes 20 to 40 minutes to even do so. So if you've got like your mom tapping on your shoulder or you're getting phone calls from people or text messages or people are emailing you, you're not going to get into that flow state. You've got to sabotage those self-distractions. You've got to get those things out of your environment, that loud noise, those icks, all of those things. And that would be the second thing is optimize your environment for flow. And then thirdly, and this kind of goes back to what we were saying, is stay in that challenge skills balance. Don't make your work boring, but don't make it so hard that it's just going to make you not even want to get started. And I do those three things every day, and I'm able to get four to six, sometimes even more hours of flow every single day. And that's really the advantage here. If you were to ask me how many hours I worked a week, I only work 30 hours a week, sometimes 35. But I get more done than people who are working like 60, and I even have some friends who work 100 hours a week. But because they don't do this, they're kind of left in the dust and they're forced to sacrifice all the things that they enjoy. So if you focus on flow, if you focus on building the triggers, building your environment, you can have your cake and eat it too. And that's, yeah, it's, it's as good as it sounds. What's one way you have removed distractions? Yeah, man. <clears throat> so I would say by far the phone is like the worst thing in this situation. Um, you know, the Bible has this verse, uh, you know, if, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. And likewise, I'm telling you that if your phone is tell, uh, 
like making you self-distract, then you need to keep it far away from you at all times. And a lot of people even call me kind of obsessive about this because what I do, you can go on Amazon and you can type in phone lockbox and they have, it's just like $20, maybe 30, but there's a lockbox that you can put your phone in and you can set a timer and it will unlock when the timer is over. So what I do to avoid these distractions is I just make it impossible for them to come up in the first place. Because discipline's great, right? We love discipline. We love David Goggins. We love all of these figures that inspire us. But to go one step further is to make those distractions impossible in the first place. And I do that by literally putting it in the lockbox and locking my phone away for those three, four, five hours that I'm going to be working at one time. And then when I'm done, it unlocks and I can check my messages. I can do all of the normal stuff I do with my phone. That's one example of a system that I've used for probably about a year now. And yeah, I, I don't have the phone addiction anymore. Happy to say. Great. And willpower, let's talk about that. What have, Yeah. What can you say about willpower? So I will say that honestly, a term I use pretty synonymously for some of the guys that I work with, and you guys will hear me talk about this all the time, uh, sleep is king for productivity. Um, literally, it, it sounds kind of dumb, actually, but the biggest breakthrough I've had on my journey through productivity, I would always build so much momentum. I would be in so much flow. But then after like two, three weeks of everything going perfectly, I would just shut down and I would relapse and I would go back onto that roller coaster of productive uh, procrastination at the bottom there, right? And so how I stopped that is I realized that sleep is your willpower. This is how I think of things because let's think of things from a neurochemical point of view. And I don't mean to get too nerdy on you guys. I'll still make this stuff uh, pretty understandable. But when I worked with the Flow Research Collective, who's basically this huge organization that pours millions of dollars into understanding peak performance and procrastination and willpower and all these different concepts, um, being tired and fatigue is actually something that physic has a physical presence in the body. It is this compound called adenosine. And what happens is adenosine, uh, your body has receptors in the brain. And from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, more and more adenosine is building up in your brain. And it only goes away. It only gets flushed away when we've had a good night's sleep. So what was actually happening is I wasn't getting that full night's worth of sleep and some of that adenosine wasn't getting washed away. And that process would repeat every night and eventually it had built up so much that I literally couldn't push myself any further and would relapse just because my body wasn't built to keep going. And so what I would say for willpower is sleep is king. Make sure my rule for sleep is uh, nine hours in bed, eight hours of sleep. I always, uh, a lot of people think that's a lot, but for me, as long as I get a good night's worth of sleep, willpower is kind of out of the question. I'm able to function as my most powerful self because I'm not tired. I don't have a need to procrastinate because my brain isn't tired. My brain is completely clean and I can start the day uh, just how I n naturally would. And it is super powerful. And it, even if it sounds kind of silly, I would recommend you guys try that for a week and you will see amazing results. For sure. What's one obstacle that kept you from improving? Mm, yeah. So that's one, technically speaking, was the sleep. Um, 
if I had to really narrow it down to one thing that was constantly getting in my way, it was that I kept taking advice from a lot of these self-improvement YouTubers. And I'm not calling out anyone in particular. I love Hamza. I love Cole Hastings. I love Andrew Kirby. I think all of these guys are making a positive movement. But what I will say is that there is no perfect morning routine out there. There is no perfect day routine. There's no perfect habit routine that you need to build. And one of the biggest things that I do for you guys inside of the tribe is I help you build a uh, custom approach to productivity. And so what I mean by that is we're different in so many different ways, right? Uh, We have personality types. We have Enneagram types. We have driving forces. We have communication styles. We have all of these different uh, lines and levels that make us function in the world completely different from each other. And so for me to tell you that I found the secret of the masters and try to give it to you and say that this is what's going to work for you, I can't do that because productivity is not something that's cookie cutter. It's not something where there's one formula that works for everybody. And so that was the biggest thing I had to realize was that first I had to go through that journey of self-discovery. I had to understand what my pitfalls were, what my strengths were, what my weaknesses were. And then I could build systems, I could build routines, I could build strategies that compensated for everything I was lacking in. And I would encourage you guys to do the same because you may not know this, but many, many times the struggles that you're going through are very unique to you. And so I would visit that first. I would say, what keeps happening? What is the reason that I keep falling off the tracks with this? Why is this not sticking? Okay, this has come up a few times. What can I do to mitigate that? What can I do to build around this? And that was how I figured things out. I had to know more about myself first. But until I did that, it was just a mess. So I would recommend you guys do that first. Figure out more about yourself and then worry about building the systems and the strategies and the techniques. What's the thing that you use to sort of figure out yourself? Yeah, so... um. A lot of people have differing opinions on this stuff. A lot of people think, oh, you know, psychology is a pseudoscience. I don't really go into all that stuff. I'm very different. I've worked with a lot of coaches over the years. I've seen amazing results with a lot of the typologies and a lot of the studies around psychology right now. And so what I would say that I did in order to figure out this stuff is, number one, you have this very interesting thing called a chronotype. And this is the internal clock inside of your body. At certain times of the day, you will have higher energy levels and you will have lower energy levels at other parts of the day, right? And so a lot of times your parents might get on to you because you're up at like 2 a.m. doing the deep work, doing the stuff that you like. But in reality, that might just be what your body is built for. And I was the complete opposite. I get all of my energy in the morning and it kind of starts to taper off around the evening. So what I would say, figure out that chronotype and structure your day around that. This is why I say there's no perfect morning routine. If you are a lark or a early bird, right, and you get all of your energy in the morning, do your deepest work in the morning because that's when your energy is the highest and the opposite if you're a night owl, um, right? And so that was one of them. Another one is the Myers-Briggs personality type. If you guys want a bulletproof way to figure out the two things that you're best at and what you really need to work on, that is one thing to do. Because every personality type has four attributes. Um, So I am an ENFP, 
and I have like a dominant cognitive function, I have an inferior cognitive function. And what you'll be able to do is you can figure out what those inferior cognitive functions are and you can build your stuff around that. See me, my inferior function is introverted sensing, which basically means I'm not good at uh, avoiding like sensual desire and pleasures and stuff like that. So what I had to do is I had to make sure I stayed away from the junk food. I stayed away from the TV. I stayed away from the social media, uh, pornography, all of those things like that, because once I start, it's very hard for me to really get a grip and get out of that. And that's also why I teach systems, because a lot of you guys may have it worse than everybody else. Some of you guys may have that as your strength, and maybe you're just resilient by design. But by going through that and by understanding that, you can figure out what your sticking point is, and you can build around that rather than just trying a million different things and hoping something sticks. So Myers-Briggs, Chronotype, I would figure out your Enneagram as well. I would figure out your discommunication style. And all of those things also play into how you function in a business environment. And it's going to tell you a lot about yourself and you're going to see amazing results. And if you have any questions about it, you guys can always DM me. I'll probably get back to you in 48 hours. We can bounce some ideas off each other's head. Uh, I'm more than happy to help you guys out because this stuff can be really complicated at times. But uh, yeah, that's basically a little rundown I'll give you so far. Yeah, man. So... Uh, you know, Hamza, he's been moving more towards like a carnivore diet online. And I can honestly say I've been trying to do a similar thing. And it's not necessarily because like vegetables are bad or dairy is bad or all these things are bad. But the thing is, when you switch to like a mostly meat and like high fat diet, so many problems go away, right? You don't have any seed oils in your diet. You don't have any uh, low fat like preservatives and things because you're just eating meat. Whenever I can do that, that's what I do. But what I would say is get in stuff that really feeds your body and feeds your energy. Because a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, hey man, I'm super productive in the morning, but when the afternoon comes, I'm just dead as soon as I start. And then I'll ask them, what did you eat? And they'll be like, oh, you know, I just had a sandwich and, uh, and like a cupcake or something. And the problem is when you eat food that has fluctuating levels of like sugar and highly processed carbohydrates, uh, your body has to pump up the insulin in order to flush all of that out. And you're left with almost no sugar in your bloodstream and your energy just crashes. And that was happening to me for the longest time. I didn't even know why. But once I started going lower on the carbs, going higher on the fats and the protein, what I noticed is that I could finally rely on a steady level of energy throughout the day. I eat tons of peanuts, I eat tons of eggs, I eat pretty much all kinds of meat. Uh, fish is probably by far my favorite. I like beef a lot too. Um, I eat uh, a lot of dairy as well, a lot of cheeses. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too picky either. I will eat carbs sometimes, but I always eat them at night when I know I'm not gonna be working anymore. And uh, my energy is like, I give it permission to fluctuate at that point because it's not really necessary anymore, right? So I would say just figure out a way you guys can be consistent about your diet. And if productivity is the name of the game, then I would recommend you guys uh, cut down on the carbs too. Eat some, eat some more meats. Don't, don't run away from the fat either. Cholesterol is good for you. It's going to help you with your testosterone. Obviously, I'm not a dietitian or medical professional. So if, that, if you have heart issues or you have anything uh, with your body, always consult a doctor first. But this is what has worked for me so far. Great. And... Back to flow. Can you tell me a little bit about 
complete concentration. Yeah, man. So complete concentration as a flow trigger. How this really works is it is about giving yourself that space to get fully absorbed in what you're doing. And when I say uh, like complete concentration, what you guys have to realize is there are some prerequisites to that. That's not just, you know, no movement in my peripheral, no sounds in my ears. There's other things that come along with that because what I notice a lot of my friends and a lot of my students do is they build up self-distraction. Because you still have that little need in you for stimulation. And sometimes when you get into flow, you get in the struggle phase. Your inner critic is going wild. You're like, am I doing this right? Oh, this is stressful. I really need a quick dopamine hit. Let me let me see what Heather posted on Instagram, you know, all this stuff. And uh, we kind of run away from our work real quick. But complete concentration is not just about like having no disruptions in your environment. I would say that's stage one. But when it comes to complete concentration, you also want to staunch the flow of all of your temptations. I have an amazing browser extension uh, that's actually free. It's called self-control. You can turn it on and it will block like a ton of stuff from your browser, like from your laptop, everything. So even if you wanted to distract yourself, it's not really even an option anymore. And that goes back to what I was saying. I build my systems like this because I am terrible at introverted sensing. It's my inferior function. Uh, but you as a person, you may not need to take it that far. And if you don't, that's awesome. But if you do, then I can always help you with that because that's what I struggle with myself. And so it took me a long time to get complete concentration down. But once I did, I was getting easily twice as much flow every single day. And it's helped a lot. And what's your advice for younger you? Three years in the past, let's say. Wow, man. Uh, yeah, like I said, man, I, I was a I was a baby three years ago. Um, I would have been uh, that would have been my sophomore year, junior year of high school. And honestly, if I was looking back at myself then, I was I was just coming out of a relationship. I wasn't doing so great. Um, Self-esteem was pretty low. Didn't even have business in my peripheral mind at the time. If I was to go back, I would give myself the advice that if you're following self-improvement, something that you need to understand is that when you pursue self-improvement, it shouldn't come from a place of desperation and internal lack. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I started self-improvement, I didn't do it for like the most healthy of reasons. I did it because I really didn't like the way that I looked. I did it because I didn't feel confident around people. I did it because I felt like I wasn't good enough the way that I was. And so the thing that I would say is to tell myself is that self-improvement needs to be to be effective, to be purpose-driven, to be active, it should be more of an internal transformation. And how I would have told myself to do that is to realize first that you don't need to like get jacked or have like the perfect mindset or like make a million dollars to be good enough. What I would say is realize, get to a point where you are okay mentally with just being who you are, having what you have, and being grateful for what you have. And from that point, I would say, man, I love myself. I love what this means for me. I love my family. I love what God has given me, what Allah has given me, you know, uh, whatever God you believe in. Um, or if you don't uh, at all, just be grateful. 
and then go from that place and be like, man, because I love myself, because I already love what my life is, now I'm going to chase these things out of inspiration because I love myself already and I think I deserve to be strong. I think I deserve to be confident. I think I deserve to have these things that I want. And so it's almost like you are magnetizing them to you instead of like forcing it upon yourself now. And that would have made such a difference at a young age. Um, I can't even imagine. But that if you guys are in a similar situation, I would give you guys the same advice. Do the inner work and everything else will come when it comes. And where do you see yourself five years in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you, you guys, I'm not even going to lie. A lot of you guys in this call, you might uh, sneer at me a little bit for this, uh, but this is genuinely what I think. Five years from now, my vision I want to have a villa in Dubai, right? It may not even be my permanent residence, but Dubai has just been an amazing place. It's not because Hamza went there. It's not because wealthy expat lives there or all these cool people. But Dubai is a tax haven. And I plan to move my business there to get the tax benefits. And also because uh, the environment's pretty good over there. Um, I really enjoy a lot of the festivities, a lot of the people. It's like 90% expats. So there is such a cultural diverse world over there. And I can really see myself being there, thriving there and really loving the community. That would be the first thing. And then the second thing would be in five years, I want to be a millionaire. I want to have taken this business, what we're doing here, and I really want to take this operation to the next level. I want to eventually get to the point where I can help you guys at such a low barrier to entry that everybody is getting what they need and everybody's growing together at a rate that is just unimaginable, right? And also in a way where I can help like, you know, our admins and everybody too. And, um... But yeah, in five years, I can definitely see us taking this thing really far. And then also between my personal career and me building this out uh, with the tribe and also independently of the tribe, I do see that working out for me. And eventually I want to work for Fortune 500 companies. I want to come into their businesses and I want to teach their staff to be more productive. I want to help their businesses grow from the inside out um, with operations work as well. So that would be my professional goal. As far as personally, who I want to be as a person in five years I want to do all of the change work possible, okay? I've demolished a lot of limiting beliefs I've had. Uh, Success is very good right now. Uh, My thoughts around like women and fitness and health are very good right now. Um, But I don't feel like I'm 100% yet. So I'm still working with my coaches. I'm still working with my mentors. And pretty soon, uh, yeah, mental health will be 100 out of 100. And uh, the next thing after that would be a 10 out of 10 woman, obviously. I think that completes everybody's set here, right? Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, maybe even be a father by then. That's something that's definitely a goal in my future and something that is very wholesome to me is being, uh, being the father uh, that, you know, yeah, just being a good father. That's a good thing, man. I think you'd be a good father. Definitely. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. We're working on it. I already got yeah. the dad beard, I've been told, but uh, we're working on the rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you man. got this easily. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, man. Hopefully my voice don't crack too much. I've been trying to chug the water, yeah. trying to talk. We're it's working a lot on of talking, it. <laughs> yeah. Understand that. Yeah. Okay. So, Leverage. Tell me a little bit about leverage. 
Yeah, so if you guys don't get anything out of what I've been saying so far, if there's one thing I want you to really take home and apply, it would be that productivity through leverage is the new way. All right, get rid of hustle, get rid of all the other mainstream stuff. What you need in order to really get ahead of everyone else is productivity through leverage. And what do I mean by leverage? What I mean is there's an upper cap on our time, right? I already mentioned this. I had this friend who I met in a Burlington. He complimented me on like this uh, Venom jacket I was wearing. It's like a bomber jacket, uh, pretty cheap, but it looked nice. And we had a conversation about it. And our conversation slowly went from UFC fighting to entrepreneurship. And uh, he mentioned to me that he works a law practice, a construction company, and he has his own business on the side. And he was working over 100 hours per week. And I remember just sitting and thinking about that and just thinking like, you know, I love this guy. We're still friends to this day. But what a miserable existence to be working 100 hours a week. Like, even if I'm making crazy money like that, man, that's I just can't see that being sustainable. And so really what the question became is if there's an upper limit on our time, if we can't push ourselves past that 100 hour mark, how can we get ahead of everybody else who's already doing that? And the answer that I came up with, Flow Research Collective come up with, more people are starting to realize is that you don't need more time. What you need to do is leverage the time that you already have. And the way that I've been doing that is through flow, as we've already talked about a little bit through systems, because you build them once and they run forever. They improve your workflow. They improve speed of implementation. They help everywhere. Uh, Leverage your network. Ask for help with things. There are so many people out there who will be willing to help you in everything. I've hired people on Fiverr and Upwork to handle little things I don't have time for. Um, You can hire a virtual assistant if you don't have time to go through all your emails and messages all the time. Right. There's so many different ways that you can fix these little nuanced problems and really leverage your productivity uh, to a hundred times what it is now. Love that. So, yeah. How do you increase your output? Great question. So, what I do is actually kind of funny. Uh, you guys uh, won't really know this because, uh, you know, this is a podcast. Uh, some of you guys are probably listening to this during a workout or a run or, you know, reading a book or something, uh, whatever the game is. But I don't know if a lot of you guys have seen stuff like this, but people like Steve Jobs, if you look at pictures of him when he was speaking back in like 2008 all the way to like 2014, he wore the same T-shirt and jeans and boots every single year for like almost every single day. And one thing that I do to increase my output is do something called lowering cognitive load. And what this means is if you have a super complex work life, if you've got your school going on, college, if you've got a ton of things going on with your business and your friends, what you need is a very simple personal life. And so what I did is I save all of that energy for output and I make everything else super simple. I wear very simple clothes every day. I barely have different garments. You know, I keep things very simple in my wardrobe. I keep things uh, very simple for like relationships and friendships. I go out like twice a week. You know, I just keep it simple. I talk to people sometimes, but I don't stress myself over the small stuff. And I keep my environment simple too. I don't own many possessions. My room is clean uh, as often as it can be. So is my desk. It's it's clean, uh, super clean. And things like that, just lowering that cognitive load. Um, 
I don't have to decide what my grocery list is going to be. I decided that once and I have it systematized. I don't have to decide where I'm going to go today to eat. That's already figured out in advance. I don't have to know what I'm going to do today because it's already figured out in advance. And by taking so much of that cognitive load away, your outputs will explode because all of that energy that you use to make decisions is now able to go towards your work. And that's good for flow too, on a side note. Um, So I would say that's the first thing I do to boost output is just get rid of all those unnecessary decisions that you guys are probably making. And that's going to open you up to so many different things. And the next thing I would say is don't make the grocery list at the store. Okay. And what that means is you need to know what you're going to do uh, tomorrow before tomorrow actually starts. And you can think of it like this. Uh, this is one thing my mentor, one of my mentors, Darren Hardy, taught me. He's written some best-selling books. He's a super cool entrepreneur. He, I think he actually uh, writes in a lot of the covers of uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, right? Uh, and he's done stuff for uh, Nathan Hill and a lot of really uh, neat guys in this industry. But one thing he did that really stood out to me is he taught me this thing called Big Rocks. And what Big Rocks is, when you're scheduling something, it's like that professor, right? He has pebbles, he has rocks, and he has sand. And so what he does is he puts in those three big rocks. He fills pebbles. He says, can I put anything else in here? The class is like, yeah, 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 pour that sand in there. So he pours the sand in there, and then he pours it all out. And he tries to do it all again, but in the opposite order, and suddenly those big rocks can't fit in anymore. And the moral of this story is that you need to plan your three biggest tasks in the day, the night before. What that's going to do, it's going to eliminate the guesswork. But it also means that when you do the three highest leverage tasks first, you're going to have time to do all of those small things in your day. And that's going to help your output a lot because you're always prioritizing the important stuff instead of just focused on doing stuff in general. We don't just want to do the right things. We want to do the things that are like the highest leverage move possible. So that would be the second thing. And even if you just do those things, you're going to see amazing results. Definitely. So can you give me some examples of what sort of things you would plan out in the day before? Yeah, honestly, uh, let me just look at this real quick. I actually have my my schedule for today. Uh, Let's see. Evening ritual. Yeah. So what I had planned out, my three big rocks for today were, let's see. Don't fail me now, Chrome. Okay. Work on the pre-sales presentation workbook. That's what I'm doing for this client. That would be a big rock. Um, Work on like the Google Doc and revisions and like actually planning out how I'm going to fix this thing. That would be another one. And then uh, the third priority, of course, being this podcast. So those would be like my three big rocks for today. And then my pebbles would be like, you know, take the dog out for a walk or, you know, clean off my desk or uh, make this meal. And then the sand would just be like little stuff like text back this person, whatever. I don't even really plan that kind of stuff. I just have it on a to-do list that needs to get done this week and I can hit it with any spare time I have. But if you have those three rocks down and you get them all done first, this is my last big rock for the day. After this, I'm pretty smooth sailing. And it's really nice to be able to have that as a reality every single day. And if you start implementing, then that is going to be your reality. And it's pretty nice. Speaking from experience. What tools do you use to do that? Mm. So whether that's so, on a Google Doc or... 
Yeah, man. Um, honestly, I, I say like no need to overcomplicate it. You know, a lot of people hear that I use like a lot of stuff on Google and that's kind of generic, but it, it works well for me. I use Google Calendar for like all of my planning stuff. If you guys want to get really crazy with it, what you can do is there's this website called Reclaim AI and you can literally just plug a bunch of tasks into it, like your spare stuff, your to-do lists, and it will literally randomize them throughout the day and just give you a schedule. You didn't even have to plan it. You just click a button and your whole day is planned out. That's one thing that I use sometimes if I'm feeling a little, you know, cool. You know, I know there's some of you guys out there who hate schedules. You like to go with the flow. If you like to do that, I would recommend Reclaim AI. It's a very good tool for doing that um, because I'm that guy too. I love to go with the flow, but I'm kind of a mix. I like some stuff to be scheduled. I like some stuff to be very spontaneous, right? And uh, yeah, so that's one tool I use. Cold Turkey is by far my favorite browser extension literally ever. Uh, you can uh, log on to Cold Turkey. You can plan out your blocks and you can block whatever websites you want. You can block whatever tools, whatever apps you want. Anything that's a sticking point for you, whether that's YouTube, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, it makes it impossible for you to self-distract. Um, another one I use is Unhook. You can uh, add that browser extension to YouTube. It takes away the comment section. It takes away the feed. It takes away the news, the homepage, everything. So that way, when you go to YouTube, you can still use it as a tool and you don't get sucked down the endless content consumption rabbit hole. That's another one I use. Um, and then a final example I can use here is one that is super useful and I would recommend everybody use is called uh, Unroll Me. Uh, Unroll.me. And what it is, is you... You add it in as like a browser extension and you can look through everything you're subscribed to in your email list and you can unsubscribe from everything at once. Everything that you don't want. No more spammy marketing emails, no more like dumb like Albus, all of these things that you guys might have harassing you every day. It's all gone in a button click. Super, super awesome. Really? So I would recommend that as well. Yeah, if any of you guys have that problem, do that right after this podcast because that's a huge one. Might go right? ahead and do that after that as well. That's, um, that's pretty good. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, yeah and, so, and there's so much stuff out like there like that. I'd recommend you guys do your own research too. Unsubscribe from every like email. Yeah, I mean, you can pick them, obviously. It doesn't just unsubscribe from everything, right? You can just go down the line and see, oh, man, I, I, I bought a supplement from that company like four years ago. I'm still getting emails from them. Click, you know, and just delete everything you don't want. It's amazing. Okay. Output with music. Like, do you work well with music in the background? Mm. So. One thing I will say um, to a lot of my guys who like to listen to music while they work, I would uh, be careful with that because music, again, it, it's, a, it's a dopamine drive type of thing. So it's not really good for flow. You do need dopamine to get into flow, but you want to make sure that your dopamine is coming from natural, like non-super stimulating sources. So I don't listen to music while I work. But what I do is I, I have, so there's this podcast you guys can find. It's called the Noise Blocker Podcast. And if you guys are in like a long deep work session, you can turn it on. And it's literally just eight hours of like uh, high frequency, like noise blockers and things like that. That's what I use most of the time. Uh, for music, I listen to it while reading and other stuff like that or going for a walk if you want to spice things up a little bit. 
but I would treat your work uh, as sacred and I would try not to listen to music most of the time. If you can't part with it, I would just try to cut down on it a little bit um, and not default to it. But it, it doesn't sabotage things too much. If you guys have to listen to music, you can, but I wouldn't recommend it as a long-term strategy. How has exercise affected your productivity? Wow. Yeah, so uh, let's let's pull out a little proof on that. I got I actually have a PowerPoint that I was teaching on this uh, All right. the other day. And the thing is, oh, man, exercise is so good for peak performance because in order to get into a flow state, your body has this chemical that it loves called anandamide. And anandamide is super good for getting into peak performance states. It's like that little feeling of tension and slight relaxation that you get after a workout. Like you guys know the feeling when you finish an intense workout session and you feel like that little relaxation in each of your muscles, but you can feel like all of your muscles are there. It's like you just activated them. Now it's like you have this mindfulness over all your muscles. And that's kind of what it is here. To give you guys some, uh, here's some benefits of strength training. The first one is norepinephrine is released, boosting attention, perception, and motivation. Uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor is released, also known as BDNF, uh, healing neurons and fighting against uh, degeneration in your brain. Uh, it actually causes brain cells to grow that increases mood regulation and mental clarity. The hippocampus grows, boosting learning speed and memory. Dopamine is released, boosting attention and motivation. It reduces your sensitivity to stress and anxiety. It improves your mental performance. It releases that anandamide, helping with flow and relaxation. And, of course, it boosts testosterone and increases mental and physical well-being. So basically, your brain loves the gym. It's good for flow. It's good for your body. It's good for your blood. It's good for everything. So exercise has always been a staple for me in peak performance. How often do you exercise? I, tr um, I exercise three times a week. Well, technically, in terms of exercise, I exercise like six times a week. But I do weight training three times a week, and I do cardio three times a week. And it's not like that is the bare minimum, but cardio and strength training have different benefits for your brain. Cardio is better for uh, testosterone. And uh, let me see here. Cardio is better for heart performance. It reduces your risk of several diseases. It increases insulin sensitivity. It helps you use your oxygen more efficiently, and it actually improves bone density. So it has different benefits than strength training. So I make time for both of them. Um, but... If you guys don't like the cardio, uh, you guys don't have to. But I would recommend at least some form of exercise for about 100, 120 minutes a week. Do you exercise in the morning or night? So, th so this, uh, this goes back to what I was telling you guys about chronotype, right? So with your chronotype, if you're uh, like a, a morning, uh, you know, early bird, whatever, uh, do like the hard work in the morning and do like your workouts, or your exercise in the afternoon or evening. But if you are a night owl, I'd recommend doing your gym stuff in the morning or the afternoon and save the hard work for like afternoon, evening. Um, so me being a morning, uh, like, you know, early bird, right? A lark. I do my exercises in the afternoon. I usually exercise around 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Uh, today's actually my rest day. So we're all good here, right? But uh yeah, three times a week, three times a week, and I do it in the afternoon. Great. 
And meditation, because I assume you've heard about the benefits of meditation and stuff. What do you think about that when it affects productivity? Man, uh, wow. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Meditation is something I have taken uh, so much more seriously recently. I have this mentor. Uh, they, they have this thing called Social Sage. It's like a platform they teach on. And basically what it is, he teaches this form of meditation that is very advanced. And if you guys want to get started with it, then I would recommend you do so because it has a lot of cognitive benefits. The type of meditation that I do, it actually grows the portions of your brain that are responsible for communication and feelings of love and happiness. And it is called TWIM, which is kind of an acronym. It, it stands for... Uh, tranquil wisdom insight meditation uh, super beneficial for peak performance it boosts your mindfulness it boosts your capacity to learn grow and uh, experience the pleasures of life which is good for dopamine drive and norepinephrine which also translates back to peak performance uh, it actually if you meditate for long enough and you guys have probably noticed this no matter what type of meditation you're doing you will lose bodily sensations have you ever noticed that before, Ronan? You lose uh, some bodily sensations during meditation sometimes? I've been doing it for quite a while. I used to do like 60 minutes in a day. I know that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of get... Oh, no. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, but uh, whatever you're saying, go ahead. Yeah, I sort of got a... a more... It definitely... There's a lot of benefits to do it, and I know I think it's mm -hmm. a bit excessive sometimes, but it will... Yeah, you do feel a bit more. I think it's more, it's a relaxing sensation to me. I don't know how it is for you. but Absolutely, absolutely. So um, depending on like how you guys do your meditation, whether it's just like a way to get some thoughts out of your head or maybe you're trying to become more masculine and like get in, be aware of your own awareness or maybe you're doing it as like a, a practice for peak performance, kind of how I use it. Um, what will happen is if you meditate for long enough, there's this center of your brain called the parietal lobe, which is basically what separates us from everything around us. It's like the borders around my hand and like my body. But when it shuts off, that border goes away. And this is why all of those Buddhist monks are like, you can become one with everything. Because when you reach that point in the meditation, which usually happens after like 60 to 90 minutes um, of meditation, that part of the brain will shut off. And when that happens, something really interesting happens in the brain. They hooked up electrodes to a guy who did this one time uh, in terms of like the terms they do. He was in like the, the fourth or fifth jhana in meditation, right? But when he got there, he literally had the biggest rush of dopamine that's ever been recorded against like everything. Even people who are on like drugs and stuff had the highest amount of dopamine in his brain ever uh, from getting to that point. And the thing is, when you have like really insane experiences like that, it helps you develop something in the body called uh, interoception, which is the sixth sense. And that's actually a flow trigger called deep embodiment. It's when the self dissolves, when we become fully absorbed into the task that we're doing. And meditation really helps with that because you, you build up that relationship with your body, that ability to get absorbed into your thoughts or your tasks. And so by meditating regularly, I train my brain to be in that thought loop and I can absorb myself into my work a lot easier. 
And that's another thing you guys can do with meditation. If you guys want to take it that far, I would recommend starting with 30 minutes a day, which sounds excessive for a lot of people. But my mentor meditates for an hour and a half, three hours a day. And he, he's pretty far along. Yeah, yeah, I see. I see the face you're making right there. It's it's a lot for sure. I thought 60 uh, minutes was excessive. And then I hear three it, hours. It's like full full disclosure, man. I try to do at least 45 minutes a day. My longest sit has been an hour and a half. And I'm trying to build up to two hours or three hours, not on the regular, but just as like my high point uh, for those really insane experiences that it offers. But super good for recovering after a flow session. Your brain needs to put back cognitive resources after using so much. So meditation is also a good way for you to relax yourself and heal your brain in between work sessions. That's what I use it for too. Super beneficial. Meditation is a staple. Would you recommend splitting those sessions out for the day? So this is, yeah, this is a question I get a lot of the time. For the type of meditation that I do, Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation, you need to do a minimum of 30 to 45 minutes in order to get the kind of benefits that it offers. Uh, If you guys want to know how to do that, you can find a guide on Reddit. Look up Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation and you'll be able to find it and the nuances of it and how to get started. I haven't been approved by the foundation, so I can't actually teach that stuff to you guys. But um, it is a type of meditation. If you want to get started with that, unfortunately, you cannot split up those sits. They have to be one 30 to 45 minute sit. And then obviously, as you move on with your practice, you'll go longer and longer. But for normal meditations, like a mindfulness meditation, a spatial awareness meditation, breath work, things like that, you can, in a healthy way, split those up throughout the days without any type of negative consequences, I would say. Yeah. So how much meditation do you do right now? Right now? So before this call, I did a 30-minute sit because I've got um, a little bit of work to do for that client. And me me and my boys are actually going to go like skating tonight and do some other stuff. So I didn't want to sit for too long because I didn't want to interfere with the rest of my day. But if I had it my way and things weren't going on, I'm trying to build up to an hour and a half of meditation per day. Um, this just allows me to grow a lot as a person because meditation, a lot of people talk about the mental health benefits. The reason that happens is because when you practice like letting thoughts, uh, you see each thought also has an emotion attached to it, right? You can think of it this way. And when those thoughts come up, so do those emotions, but meditation teaches you that all thoughts and all emotions, well, uh, are born and then they die shortly after. And so what happens is through more meditation, you become like this observer and you're able to be mindful enough to see these thoughts and emotions as they come up and let them go just as fast before they take too big of a hold on you and cause you to do all these irrational things. And through an hour and a half a day or well, more more closely, 45 minutes to an hour a day, I've been doing that consistently for about three months now. And the benefits have been insane. Uh, people, people just don't get to me anymore. This is how you become an actual non-reactive person. Instead of like trying to be non-reactive, this is how you can become actually non-reactive to negative stimulus and thing when plans fall through or when people are screaming at you, it's very good for building up your resilience and your mental health and peak performance. Cause that's why I initially started doing it, but I also see these other benefits and it's definitely something you guys should look into for sure. Definitely. 
Do you journal at all? Uh, yeah, so this goes back into something we talked about a little earlier um, with the Myers-Briggs personality types. Um, what you guys will find is one of the letters, if you guys type yourself, do an online quiz, figure out what your type is, there are two types of people. There are sensors and there are intuitives. And so me, myself, I do a little bit of journaling. I have like a 90 day change work journal I'm doing right now. Started that about half a week ago and I'm really excited to be building some momentum on that. Um, <clears throat> but as far as today goes, uh, I, I journal like sometimes, but it's not something I default to. And the reason for that is nothing wrong with journaling at all. Journaling is better for the sensors. And if you remember, we talked about introverted sensing is my worst function. So journaling just doesn't hit the same for me as it does for other people. But to you guys who are listening to this, if you have sensing as one of your dominant or co-pilot functions, journaling is going to be super powerful for you. But if you're like me and you are on the flip side of that and you are an intuit, uh, intuitive, which basically means you like to see patterns and things, you don't, you don't really take things as objective facts. You like to weave things together, figure out how things connect. That's kind of how I operate. Um, what you'll benefit more from is like building flow charts and mind mapping your thoughts and your ideas because you can see the things and you can connect the dots physically and actually see it build out in real time. It's a much better way for people with a mind like yours to learn, to grasp information, and to make connections like that. Um, so I would say it depends on the person. I'm not a journaler, but I love journaling, and I think it's very effective. Okay, yeah. So mind mapping, you would just say, just get a piece of paper, simple as that. Um, there, there's, a different, there's a few different ways you can do about it. If, uh, if you personally like to write stuff on paper, I do, not for the mind maps, but if you do like to write stuff on paper, there's nothing wrong with that. But what you can do is there is a website called whimsical.com. You can go onto it and you can actually build out mind maps or flow charts and you can kind of piece those things together uh, yourself. And it's very easy to do. It's very effective. Um, that's the one I use. There's another one online called Lucid Chart. You can uh, build out mind maps and flow charts on there as well. It's really about what you prefer, but I use whimsical. So, okay, yeah. What's your purpose? Like, what are you aiming mm. to achieve? Yeah, man. Uh, wow. E even though I consciously know the answer to this, it's still it's yeah. It's still a very hard question to wrap your head around just as a person. I mean, if I asked any of you guys listening to this right now, that kind of question, uh, you guys would probably be stopping with me too right now. But if I was to really nail down what my purpose was when I was a younger guy, a little bit more naive, but still as much spirit as I have right now, um, I would say my goal was to help uh, minorities. And I don't necessarily mean like minorities in the United States. I mean like people who are at like, even even having harder times than that, like minorities in, in third world countries who like don't even have places to sleep or food every night. And I, would, I, just, like, I would see pictures like that. There's this one called Yawai, uh, I think, uh, that I heard about when I was at church all the time. They would give food to people in like Yemen and uh, in Africa, and you would be able to actually like pay $30 a month and give food and water to a child. And I remember thinking like, man, that's amazing. You know, $30 a month, I can feed a human being. I can house them. I can let them go to church. And I just remember like, that's an amazing purpose. Help people with that. 
But what it has developed more into now, as I'm kind of figuring out what I'm good at and where my potential lies, I, uh, I've, I've talked to people about this the past few days. What I'm moving towards now is helping people with peak performance because everybody has talents. Everybody has creativity. Everybody has that little bit of problem solving. Everybody has something that they are just amazing at. And if some of you guys are listening to this and you're thinking, I don't have that one thing, you do. The thing is, when, when we are a certain way, we think that everybody is like us. We think everybody must be good at this. Everybody must be bad at this. But the idea is that's not true. And the strengths that you have as a person, you don't even notice because you just think that, oh, everybody must be like that. But something I had to realize when I grew up is I, I can do things that other people can't do. Not, I'm not saying that out of a place of pride, but it was something I realized. And a lot of you guys will realize that too. We have strengths. And so what the name of the game is for me now is going out to those people who are missing a little bit of that direction, a little bit of that guidance and helping them lock down those strengths and invisible skills and helping them to build that up into something amazing. And so I still accomplish my purpose, but now I work through other people and I can help other people do what they're good at better. And I can make the world a better place by developing uh, the people in these societies and helping them do what they do best and do it better. I would say that's what my purpose is. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell me the importance of connections. Like, yeah. So. When you say connections, are we talking like more business or like business. personal life connections? Business. business. Okay. So first of all, on like a, a deeper layer, like we've all heard like the generic quotes, you know, like five people you hang out with is, the, is uh, who you are, you know, the average of the five people you hang out with, right? We've all heard things like that, but I think people don't truly understand how true a quote like that is until you really start swimming with the sharks and people that you believe are at a little bit of a level higher than you. And what I mean by that is when I was just having turned 18, just getting into business, I talked to some CEOs, I talked to several business owners of like coaching industries and consultancies. And simply by being around with people like that and talking about topics like that and congregating with people who are at that level there's this change that happens on a subconscious level where you will just feel like you can propel yourself so much further than you are right now every one of you listening to this you might feel like you've reached some type of potential cap you might feel like you've dialed in yourself at every level of the game but until you have huge connections that like inspire you to push yourself even further i would say you have some untapped potential and that's something I had to realize because I thought that I was doing my very best, but I met Sharaja, which was the CEO of the first agency I worked at. And for the first time, I had a friend and a coworker in an environment where I felt like I was the underdog, right? A lot of you guys might feel like you're performing at your very best right now, but there's going to be a day when you meet somebody, you meet an executive, you meet a business owner, you meet an ordinary guy who's just so much higher than you think you are right now and it's going to realize you and inspire you to push yourself that much further and so i would say your network one is great for opportunities but it's also good for you to realize how much further you can be pushing yourself 
as a person as well and realizing truly how much more you could be doing to get to where you want to be. And it is irreplaceable. Start building your network when you're young. Talk to people who are above where you want to be. Ask for advice. Ask for feedback. Reach out to people, man. People like CEOs, they don't want you to impress them, bro. Like they just want another human being to talk to. When I enter interviews with people like this or when I'm talking to top dogs, I don't even like talk about credentials or like who I am, why I'm here. Like I hopped on a a call with a guy one time and I'm like, hey man, full disclosure, I just drank like a whole gallon of water. So I might be running out of here in a few minutes. Dude just starts busting out laughing and like the vibe instantly changed. It was just like two bros sitting down for drinks at a bar. Okay. You can get in contact with people like that so easily. You don't even have to be somebody yet. You just have to be authentic. And when you do that, when you lead with that, people are going to be magnetized to you. Uh, Like recognizes like, and people love authentic people in a world of fakes. So always gravitate towards that, and you guys will do awesome. I love that. Well, I'm... I'm saying I love that to every response because <laughs> I, I love talking to you. It's, you've got a good insight of the world. You've got a lot of good ways of like moving about, which I personally like, I think it's great like, how productive you are yeah. and all the systems you've put in place. I find that really inspiring. So I really appreciate that, man. Yeah. And, and like I said, guys, I know I'm talking about a lot of cool stuff. I'm throwing a lot of big ideas around, but I'm not this like special up high kind of guy. This all happened in around the span of a year or two. And I just want you guys to understand there is nothing that I did that you guys cannot do to achieve these results for yourself. And I'm always going to be the one to tell you that I'm not going to act like I discovered the secrets of the masters. And I'm just like this amazing person. Everything that I do, everything that works, I have found because I kept that momentum. I kept making those 1% improvements every day. That's what the name of the game is. It's not about becoming someone you're not. It's about becoming a whole lot more of who you already are and developing your strengths and developing what you're passionate about and pursuing things like that. And I, yeah, I really appreciate you, Ronan. Uh, that, that means a lot. It, it's really good to hear that this kind of stuff resonates with people. And yeah, I'm I'm so happy to be here actually and just tell this tell this stuff to you guys too because this stuff can really change some of you guys' life if if you let it land, you know, and develop it. Yeah, you're going to be a great group leader for the tribe, I already know. And <laughs> a lot of people Appreciate are going to find that, your advice really really useful. Like a lot of people in the tribe, they I don't know a lot about all of them, but I know that they're on self-improvement, kind of like finding their way around. And if you're there to help them, I know that it's definitely going to make a change. So, Absolutely, man. And like I said, to all of you guys listening to this, uh, never hesitate to reach out. We're, we're here to help out. We're here to make uh, results together and build this thing together. Everybody's an important cog in this movement and uh, we're all going to make it. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. Yeah. Tell me about Dan, Dan Pena, was it? Dan Pena. Oh, man. Uh, I I would, uh, to you guys listening, I would be a little careful with Dan Pena. I wouldn't watch him around your parents. He's a a very intense guy. Uh, He, he's, he's had a very hard life. He's had a very interesting life. But if I have learned an important lesson from anybody, 
Dan Pena is probably one of the best guys that you guys could go to right now to give you that uh, kick in the butt that you need to really make your future happen and get to your goals and get to where you need to be. And what he what he told me is that whatever you do to take a quantum leap to really change your life in a short period of time, right? We always hear about these people who became millionaires in like a year or three months or or they they built like seven properties in like, you know, two months or all this crazy stuff. It happens because the actions we take are in direct proportion to the goals that you have. And if I learned one thing from him, it was that. And so uh, a lot of people say that I'm silly for this, but before I turn 21, I want to be a millionaire. And the reason I have set that goal for myself is because I truly believe that if I shoot for something so high, my actions, my potential, my exponential returns are going to grow so much for me to be able to hit that, that it's just going to happen. And even if it doesn't, I'm still going to shoot 10 times higher than I would have if I just had like a small goal that's not even ambitious at all, right? And the way that you guys can think about that is, um, for example, if I wanted to do that, I would be throwing myself like way in over my head. You know, I've looked at like business loans. I've looked at like VCs, uh, which are venture capitalists. They invest like millions of dollars if you guys don't know. Yeah. So I've looked into investors, angel investors, like C-suite executives. I've talked to a ton of people about my ideas and my ambitions. And I would not have done any of those things if I just had a small goal, like make 10K a month. And for the record, if that's you guys' goal, I think that's a great goal. I think you guys should pursue that. But never be afraid to push yourself past what you think your limits are. And how did you start copywriting? Tell me about the whole... Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a great story, right? So I had this guy reach out to me on Facebook. His name is Eddie. I'm not going to go like all into his personal details or whatever. I don't need people going into his DMs or whatever. But uh, great guy, great copywriter. I actually ended up getting talked into kind of a pyramid scheme at the start. It was a, it was a mess. Um, but the good news is I, I wasn't manipulated. I realized what it was pretty fast. Um, but what I noticed is that he was a part of this business called RivX. It was a pretty interesting business. It was a, a mix of, uh, they, they targeted real estate investors and they had two offers. One of them was to build an e-commerce business for these uh, business owners. And the other one was to was trucking automation, right? Two completely different things, but they sold really high ticket. The e-com store cost 25K, trucking automation cost 75K, which is insane. If you're a closer and you're closing deals like that, you're making $7,500 from one phone call. So I was like, um, sign me up, right? I'm, I'm getting in on that. I had no business experience at all. That job was just a win, win, win. Um, but the problem was the closers, uh, they just, they just were not hitting the numbers that they needed to. I made no money my entire time working there. So after that, I got into like an agency role and in that agency, like I, I talked to the guy who was teaching over me and he told me, look, uh, these guys aren't hitting numbers. You want to just start a business with me? And I was like, heck yeah, man, let's do it. I have nowhere else to go. Right. And so I got into it. I got into the business. I was wearing a million hats a day. I was doing lead gen one day. I was doing sales another day. It was never the same. But as soon as he got me on copywriting, as soon as I wrote my first sales letter, he said, man, this is amazing. This is eight out of 10. This is your best work you've done in this company. And 
from that point forward, I just doubled, tripled, quadrupled, quintupled down on the copywriting skills. I did it every day. I Kaizen. I was building multiple promotions for everybody. And over the span of like a year, I'd gotten a ton of experience. I built up my portfolio a ton. And now I'm able to do jobs now that I would have like not even believed myself some of the prices to, that I charge on this stuff. And people will pay it because I built that level of experience. And yeah, it's it's just amazing uh, how far you can push yourself from something random like that. That just shows you how much opportunity is out there because all of that was built from one random DM on Facebook. Crazy to think about. That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Lawful sure. opportunity that comes from that. It's it's amazing how it happens. Like, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say you guys should always be on the lookout for that kind of stuff. There's opportunity everywhere, every industry, every person. Um, you'll be surprised what you can find if you spend a little extra time prospecting. I truly believe that. Okay. So gonna say yes 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 uh coaching coaching that's it tell me about that coaching Mm. yeah um kind of like what's going on with the coaching right now or uh, the coaches i worked for okay so yeah uh, for those of you guys who don't know um yeah like kind of we talked about uh what i what i coach like my productivity my topics and uh, things like that. I got into that position because I worked with the Flow Research Collective. They taught me a lot about flow, peak performance science, the energies, things like that. Um, But because when I was a copywriter, we worked with coaches and consultants. And in order to take their businesses to the next level, in order to market things like nobody's business, to do things in an amazing way, what happened is I ended up um, learning the secret sauce of like, 20, 30, 50 different coaches that we worked for over the time I was there. And I took the best things from things I learned from everybody. And I'm able to reproduce all of that in my own life, whether that's dating, weight loss, fitness, productivity, mindset, everything. But if there's one thing that I know best, it is productivity. And that's why that is what I really want to focus on for you guys. And so I've been dialing that in ever since I've been working with uh, my own tribe beforehand uh, until I've verified the product. I've worked with AZ a little bit. I've worked with uh, Atlas a little bit, some big guys. And um, I've even worked with people who own like established businesses and stuff. And I'm producing results for all of those guys. And so it was at that point I was like, man, this is the time. It's time to release this to some more guys. It's time to start giving everybody a piece of the pie. I want to see everybody, uh, everybody getting some results from this stuff. So even all of you guys listening for this stuff, I've got stuff in store for you guys. Uh, be on the lookout because uh, we, we got some cool, some cool coaching stuff on the way. Yeah, and for anyone starting coaching, what would you say is your advice for them? Hmm. So one thing I would say is never get in your own way. If you're watching this and you deep down want to be a coach, but you think that it may not be for you, uh, like you may not have the capacity for it or the skills, uh, turn that inner critic off because this is something that so many people can do. If you really want to be good at it, if you really want to become an amazing coach, the thing you need to focus on first is delivering amazing results for the people that you work for. And in order to do that, you need to do two things. Number one, get get to be a master of one thing. 
Figure out what your one thing is. Maybe you're good at teaching a high income skill. Maybe you're good at teaching dating. Maybe it's fitness. Maybe it's weight loss. Maybe it's mindset. Whatever it is, get good at your one thing and then start offering those services for free to a a few people. Okay, I, I did that a lot. And over time, I built up a lot of clients. But if you want to start making money with this and you want to start taking your coaching to the next level, do not feel bad about charging prices to people. Because what you have to realize, if some, the thing is, a lot of what I teach guys is already in books. You can learn a lot of what I teach and people like me, they teach for free. You can learn a lot of it for free. But the thing is, when we get something for free, we don't value it. And not only that, but to all of your students as a coach, you can even make like an ebook and give them all of the secret stuff for free. And they'll just be like, man, this dude's amazing. Look at all this free value I'm getting. And then your coaching is the implementation of everything that you teach. And that's what I do. I've, I've given you guys so much amazing stuff in this call alone. But if you actually work with me, then we work elbow to elbow together and I help you make this a reality for yourself because a lot of this stuff is theoretical. It's not super pragmatic. And that's what coaches do. That's what it's your responsibility to do as a coach. It's to take theoretical and abstract concepts that people want, that people desire physically and emotionally and making it a reality for them, helping them to create that for them. You don't create it for them. You give them the power, you give them the encouragement and the guidance to create that life for themselves. And that's what it means to be a coach. That's great, yeah. Okay, yeah. You explained to me about hypnotherapy before. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, so man, this honestly, this is a rabbit hole that we could do like a whole nother episode on hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, so for a lot of you guys out there, I just want to go ahead and kind of dispel the myth. Um, therapy, it, it could be this more mainstream thing. Like a lot of people hear the concept of therapy and they're like, oh, I don't need help with this. I don't need help with that. I don't have mental problems. The thing is hypnotherapy, I wouldn't think of it as like you know, I, I need treatment for this or that. Hypnotherapy is more of an idea to help you bring out more of the potential that you already have, whether that is for mental health issues or if it is for something like I have this mental block that's keeping me from success. And I teach a little bit of hypnotherapy and I say a little bit, it's not a lot. It's a very abstract concept and it's hard to teach uh, for, by someone like me who doesn't have a ton of experience. But if I was to break it down pragmatically, hypnotherapy, it's not waving a stopwatch in front of your face and hypnotizing you to forget fear or something like that, right? It's, it's nothing like that. What hypnotherapy is, there's this thing called the hypnotic loop. And this is basically a thing that happens unconsciously in your mind that uh, affects your experience of what's happening to you. And so an example of this would be the hypnotic loop starts with beliefs. So let's say you're a public speaker. Let's say you've got this topic that you know and you you have to present to your school. Maybe you're like doing your valedictorian speech, whatever. And it starts with belief. Let's say you believe that uh, people are going to laugh. You know, I'm not a great public speaker. I'm not going to be super good at this. That belief is then going to influence your imagination. Now that you believe you don't have what it takes, you're going to start imagining yourself doing badly. You're going to start imagining people laughing. You're going to imagining things going horribly wrong. 
and then that's going to affect your physiology. Now your shoulders are slouching forward. Now you've got, you're red in the face, your palms are sweating, right? It's affecting your physiology. And then that affects the final step in the hypnotic loop, which is your experience. And things aren't going to go that well if you've got the bad physiology, the bad imagination, the bad beliefs. And that experience, it's going to go badly. And then that's going to further reinforce that uh, belief that you are not a public speaker. And the cycle continues. If I was to explain to you simply uh, what it is, is that is taking any part of this loop and influencing it on a deep level to stop that from happening to you. And so that's like a basic example of what that means. Um, it's a topic that you can dive super deep on. If you guys want to go really deep into it, there's a lot of books you can read on the topic. You can even ask ChatGPT some stuff about it. Um, I would never count that out. AI is a great way to learn, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an important topic. I would dive deep into it. Do you use AI for your copywriting? Wow. <laughs> so this is about to get a little controversial. Um, so yeah, AI and copywriting is something that's very controversial nowadays because, uh, people are scared that it's going to take away their jobs. If a lot of you guys are wondering about copywriting, you think that AI might take your job away. Um, it won't, it will not. Uh, AI is not at the point where it can make really amazing copy without the help of a human. Um, and what I mean by that is when I use AI to help myself write copy, I will give it prompts that help me generate ideas. So I'll be like, hey, I'm writing an ebook about this. What are 10 good titles for a book like this? And then it'll just give me some options and I can, that's actually how I made my name for the group in the tribe, Zenith Enclave. I used ChatGPT for that, full disclosure. Um, but ChatGPT, it's good for giving yourself inspiration. Um, not super great for the copy. And people will disagree with me on that, but... I don't use it a lot in my copywriting, but I do use it for a lot of other things um, because it's very useful. Okay. Yeah. It's great. I like that. Because I've heard, well, I've got the real world. I've got Sonya has it. So I hmm. looked through the copywriting course and I saw some AI. So I was a little confused whether it was effective or not because yeah chat yeah GPT, it can be used in a much more effective way i think yeah yeah and um no ai it can definitely help copywriting um but i i don't use it as in like a do most of the work and then i come in and fix a little bit of stuff capacity that's how some people write their copy and personally i think people like that are not great copywriters um, but if you do want to use AI, it's very good for writing emails. It's good. It can help pretty well with ads. Um, but if you're writing like a VSL or a sales letter that I think you should do mostly on your own because it takes a lot of hat tricks to make marketing like that work. Whereas ads and emails are a little bit simpler, uh, for beginners. Yeah. yeah I think that'll do just fine. I've taken in a lot of knowledge myself and I thought, yeah. This is definitely going to help a lot of people if it's helping me. And it's, you know, I can see that helping other people too. So, Heck yeah. yeah, man. That's why we do this. All right. So to everyone watching, Ryzek is a member of the tribe who is soon to be a group leader and is a group leader. He is Sir. specializing in copywriting and productivity where he'll coach you guys and tell you the ways how you can 
reach financial success or any kind of productivity goal that you have. Yes, sir. So, yeah, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Always love to uh, spread some knowledge around, get people's, uh, provoke some thoughts and stuff like that. Handshake for me. Been a good one. Yes, sir. Good to see you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So thank you all for watching.